podcast to honor the gods. This better come with a sacrifice. Deus Ex Media. As a young sea demon matures, the narrator said, changes happen in the monster's body. You may notice your fangs getting longer, and you may have a sudden desire to devour human beings. These changes are perfectly normal and happen to all young monsters. Welcome to Of the Oldest Gods, where we discuss Rick Riordan's role as our godly parent. I'm Ray from Cabin 12. And I'm Charlie from Cabin 13. I'm Erica, and I just Googled it, and it said that Persephone is Cabin number 40, so I'm going to go with that today. (laughs) (laughs) Great, that sounds perfectly correct in every way. I love that. (laughs) I'm Carter, and I guess I would be in Cabin 6. Heck yeah. (laughs) I guess. (laughs) I don't know, it's like I've never really thought about this before, but like, I guess Athena Cabin, like, (laughs) (laughs) come on, weren't we all like, oh, I'm an Athena kid, because I like reading the books, you know, I'm a nerd. (laughs) No, literally, it's so (laughs) embarrassing to say, but, um, (laughs) whatever. (laughs) I think I've said this on the internet before, I've never identified as an Athena kid, or like, I I never identified as being like Ravenclaw, because I've always been friends with Carter, Mm. who is a smart person. Mm. And I just oh never, like, I'm a smart person. I just can't possibly fathom being a smart person. I know you're rolling your eyes. Let me compliment you. <laughs> I mean. I feel bad I now. mean, yeah. <gasps> you didn't know that you intimidated people with your intelligence, starter. Surely you must have known this in your past 24 years. I mean, if you're comparing yourself to someone else, yeah, I can definitely see how you would be like, Mm, maybe I'm not that extreme into that. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, or like we had a friend growing up named Emma who um would read like seven like 500 page dragon books a month, and I was like, oh, I'm not a book person. <laughs> like not the way Emma is. What? You know? Yeah. No, that's an extreme. Just a little bit. I'm not smart, but I was that book kid. Uh, yeah. Now I can't read anything. Oh. <laughs> Mood. That's such a mood, actually. <laughs> um, well, Carter, since this is your first time guesting on Of the Oldest Gods, we would love to get a little intro about you, um, your pronouns, and how you got into the Percy Jackson books. Sure. Um, I'm Carter. I use they, them. Um, Percy Jackson books. I um, read them in elementary school as they were coming out. I have a pretty distinct memory of catching up right before... Um, the last Olympian came out and reading the last Olymp- like getting the hardcover copy for that mm. and reading it mm. very um excitedly the summer after fourth grade like several times my, my family and I like went somewhere in like early June that summer and I brought the book with me and my parents were so <laughs> irritated because um <laughs> I was um not you know like looking around and learning about other places and cultures and I was instead really really familiarizing myself with Rick Riordan's cartoon geography of Manhattan. Uh, (laughs) 
This makes so much sense. I relate. <laughs> you, were probably, well, you were probably on Maui, right? I think we were actually in Japan for the first time. That, <laughs> and like, it's not That's like I learned nothing or experienced nothing. Away. But my parents were like very upset and they were like, this is, this is bad and wrong. But also like at that time, none of us spoke any Japanese and it was, um, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Percy Jackson is more important. Well, speaking of Percy Jackson, Ray. Oh, what oh, happened yeah. in this chapter? Me? You, yeah. you want you want me to do it? Um, so that's kind of your job, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I guess I guess it is. So in this one, Percy sets himself on fire. Uh, just a little bit. <laughs> see, this is like the one of the first chapter titles in a long while where I'm like, did that really happen, Rick? Not quite. Not quite. You just said it like that because it was funny. But anyways. So really, every chapter title is clickbait. Yeah. That is so true. Thank you for, like, summarizing that in a way I've never been did, able to. Did Rick invent clickbait? <laughs> did he invent I mean, this? authors would call it a hook, but we know it's clickbait. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Exactly. All right. So, we visit Hephaestus. Hephaestus. Some guy. He says Daedalus is a bastard and they should forget him, but he agrees to help out in exchange for a favor, you know, as you do when you are a god. So, they have to go check out his forge, which so happens to be Mount St. Helens. Uh, apparently there's, like, a guy in there. Uh... <laughs> Don't, Don't worry about it, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Grover and Tyson go on a side quest to go find Pan, uh, despite Annabeth really insisting that they don't split the party because that is always a bad idea. Don't split uh, the party! <laughs> Percy and Annabeth find some evil sea dogs, and Percy murders a class of children in the middle of the talk. Uh, they're busy making a bad vibe sword. Uh, Percy convinces Annabeth that she should put on her invisibility hat and dip out of there. And then a moment occurs, which I am sure we will discuss later in great depth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Percy gets covered in lava and he blows up and dies and stuff. And that's where we end. Dies? Question mark? You yeah. Know, maybe. Don't worry about it. Who knows? I'm sure he's fine. We can really think about this as the final BC chapter of the Riordan verse, as in, say it with me, before Calypso. <laughs> There is a time when Ryder before Calypso, and there is a time afterwards. God, that could be spoilery a little bit, but like... No, I, I want to leave so that in, though. That's a tease for next chapter. It's so like... good. That's so good. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. You're so right. I can't now. I can't think. Um, <laughs> well, before we dive into um, this chapter, I think we gotta, we gotta, we gotta do our thing. We gotta talk about... Um, what the f- I can't even pronounce these things. Um, yeah, I know. Me, me too. Telkins? Sure. Uh, sure. I mean, don't but... look to us. <laughs> Telkins? Telkins? Um, something, something, something. Let's get into it. So, in case you missed it. Charlie. Oh, there you go. But I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> I was trying I to you segue. Say it. I was, I was like... trying to segue into it, okay? <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's probably Telekine. 
maybe there's just there's no pronunciation on here which is wild um we're on the wikipedia page carter if you need to know <laughs> i just found a vimeo page that is pronouncing it telkinese that sounds more greek definitely that, sounds i would believe greek. that that sounds correct to me yeah. in my brain yeah it is interesting Tell that tiny. rick spells it with the k which is like the greek spelling and like wikipedia is like uh it's a ch actually um <laughs> interesting <laughs> so they're the original inhabitants of the isle of rhodes not Rhode yeah. Island, the Isle of Rhodes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Where the Colossus is from. Um, all right, all right. We got interesting parentage. We got either Pontus, who's like the ancient, ancient sea god, and Gaia, our mother Earth, or the Pit of Tartarus, and Nemesis? Huh. Or they're um, the siblings of the Furies, and were born from uh, Uranus's blood. Okay. Oh, Greek mythology. Sure, sure. I mean... If they're like sea demons, quote unquote, the Pontus thing makes sense. I don't mm. understand the other ones, but sure. They're no. just ancient. That's all that all of that means. It means that they're real True. old. <laughs> um, so yeah, they have flippers instead of hands and heads of dogs. You know, Rick, you got that right. That's good to know. Li- literally, there's just there's so many possible names of them. They have names. I didn't know this information before. <laughs> I've never looked them up until now, so... So, there may or may not be a limited number of them that all have individual names. Let's not get into that. That sounds like trying to pronounce a bunch of bullshit. It is. I'm not doing it. Okay. They look a lot scarier in the Battle of the Labyrinth graphic novel than they did in my head. (laughs) In my head, they were cute little blep blep seals. Yeah. Like yeah, I seals. just thought they were dog people. Like, <laughs> just just little little dog persons with little flippers. This is really the monsterfication of them. Mm. I haven't looked at the graphic <laughs> novel yet. I own it, but I haven't looked at it. So, now I'm scared. <laughs> Alright, so this says that they were cultivators of the soil and ministers of the gods. Okay, cool. Interesting. Hmm. So what? where's the forging come from then? I'm wondering. I'm look I'm looking for that. Um because they have a bunch of different roles here. There's that, then there's the sorcerers and demons, which Rick definitely talked about. Right, um, some evil magics. Yeah, we got we got evil magic stuff. They had destructive eyes, um, the power to bring on hail, rain, and snow. And okay, they can they can shapeshift. They produced a substance poisonous to living things. Very descriptive. Thank you. <laughs> um, and Looks like they made fields infertile by pouring the water of the sticks into the fields with their hands. I don't. I'm, huh. I mean, sure, but okay. they were also artists, they and were, they, they did metalwork, so that helps. <laughs> there you go. They they made artists. Um, they made artists. They made art. Um, <laughs> that makes me think that. Hephaestus is secretly the god of arts and crafts, as well as <laughs> I mean, you know, he's metal the god of forgery, crafts, right? Crafting. He is the god of my macaroni art in first grade. <laughs> we're gonna get into Hephaestus after this, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about our good buddy Hephaestus. Um, so they they did make the exact things that Rick mentioned. We got we got the Trident of Poseidon. And we mm-hmm. got, oh, what is it? The sickle of Cronus? Huh, I wonder, mm. is that what they mm. were maybe making in this chapter? It's, it was 
Shaped like a moon, right? Yeah. Could be. But could this be. is the sickle of another guy, right? This is Kronos instead of Kronos? 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 Uh, it's, it's, it's the, it's the Titan guy. Okay, okay. So th- this is, it is the right sickle at least. It is the, is the one we're thinking of. It's not the god of time, dude. All right. It's spelled differently here though, which I hate. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Wikipedia doesn't usually do the K version. Rick likes the K version. Mm, okay. Um, I do think it's interesting that they also made something with the Cyclops, the Cyclopes, whatever. And with Hephaestus to make uh-huh. the cursed necklace of Harmonia. That sounds, that slaps. Yeah, that's kind of important. Um, Apparently they've yeah. all had a falling out since then. Don't worry about it. Yeah, they were, they had excellent workmanship and then like people didn't like them because of that. Okay. <laughs> weird they're the coolest so you guys just hate them um since the gods are always jealous we know this yeah literally zeus possibly killed them (laughs) with either a flood or a thunderbolt or okay or poseidon killed them or apollo became a wolf to kill them i (laughs) what it sounds like a bunch of guys just used these same names to tell a bunch of different stories without worrying about uh it really does. Consistency whatsoever. Usually oh, there's at least sense. some more consistency than this. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no consistency on what these things are other than they exist. <laughs> and they are sea dogs. Sea dogs. Again, that makes me think that they're going to be adorable and cute, but now I'm scared. Right. They sound incredibly cute, as described. <laughs> well, let's move on to... Um, <laughs> I don't know how to segue here. Uh, Hephaestus. <laughs> The less cute god. Um, Hephaestus. Yo, he's a cutie! <laughs> Rick's just like, uh, this man is ugly. Sorry. That he's is just, part of his character, but also... He's just... A feels dude. a little mean. He's big, he's buff, and he likes to build things. Okay? Those okay. are all attractive qualities. It's true. <laughs> So is it is it is it Hephaestus? Is it Hephaestus? Uh, that's just in that one in Ulysses dies at dawn. He says it like that, like once, like really emphatically. So that's what always goes through my brain specifically. Okay, okay, but like the Wikipedia here, it says both. Yeah, that does not surprise me. Both are correct. I hate linguistics, actually. <laughs> Alrighty, uh, so many things. God of fire. Metalworking, stone masonry, the forges, art of sculpture, technology, and blacksmiths, and macaroni volcanoes? art, crocheting, embroidery, um, cross stitching. Nah, nah, the the fiber crafts fit under Athena, don't they? Oh, <gasps> you're so right. You're so right. <laughs> embroidery, cross stitching, the loom. That's all got to be Athena. You're right. <laughs> Slash arachnid. I mean, I mean, they can Poor work arachnid. together on these things. You know? Can they? You got to. In a lot of He's situations. He's like into Athena as well. As is, I think, <laughs> briefly alluded to in the books. Oh my god, because she's a craftswoman. It's all coming to together. There's a myth. You want somebody to craft with. He's like smarter um, than most of the other gods. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's there's a myth where he tried to get with her. Um, It didn't go so well. Yeah, probably yes. wouldn't. Yeah, I don't like it. I'm pretty sure that in, um, what is it, Percy Jackson's Greek Gods, Percy retold it, and I'm just like, how did you make this PG? <laughs> how? <laughs> Literally. Oh boy. He tried to rape Athena, like, hmm. They use the word rape in that book. It's fine. Yeah. Um, okay, so... So either he's a child of Zeus and Hera, or he's just a child of Hera. 
huh, good for her, I guess. We girl power, except we for stand. the fact that then then there is no girl power afterwards. I don't love Hera, but we stand like a woman who could just create a child with no man. Power to her. <laughs> um, and yes, he's cast off Olympus by her fun times. Because ugh, so many issues with this. Is it because he's ugly <laughs> or is it because he's disabled? Yes, the answer Either is, is yes. bad. It's real bad. I think in most tellings, he it, it's it's because he's ugly, and then he develops the disability because he gets thrown off. Um, right, that was my impression. Yeah, I've also I thought I heard that it was like could have been that he was born with it too, and then she throws him off too. But either way, not great. It's not great. Nope. But <laughs> hey, we have a disabled god, and we stand. <laughs> he's here. He's queer. We love it. Um, he is like. How can you not like Hephaestus, honestly? I don't know how I feel about him, honestly. <laughs> I will be honest. I mean, like, on one hand, he's a cutie. Um, on the other hand, him, you know, and wanting to get with Athena and, like, having this crush on Annabeth's mom. And I'm not talking about the Greek canon, obviously. I don't have personal feelings about the actual mythological figures of Greek mythology. Uh, but in Chris <laughs> Jackson, like, he did, like, have this, he does have this long-standing crush on Athena's mom, who is, like, famously a maiden goddess. Um, mm-hmm. He obviously has tried to get with her, despite her repeatedly telling him no. He, like, almost borders on, like, a little bit incel for me sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Not not yeah, he's, like, fan. obsessed with humiliating his his cheating wife who is only married to him because it was a political arrangement decreed by Zeus. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. I think Hephaestus okay, is a complicated Okay, he's not dealing figure. with it in the best of ways, but he is a man who has been fucked over by life basically constantly. Wait. <laughs> Wait a second. This Wikipedia page, I love it, actually. We Under the list of consorts, we have Aphrodite divorced. Oh. Um... Because they're they're kind of there kind of is a canon divorce, possibly. Um I didn't know that was allowed. Um because I'm pretty sure he what is it? Yeah, he asked um for the, the bride price to be given back <laughs> as a way to like divorce her. I see. Because that that's how divorce works. Does anyone remember why Zeus wanted Aphrodite to marry? Um, because, you know, she's the goddess of love and beauty. Everybody would want her. There would be arguments over her. So let's give her to that guy over there. Because, like, who cares about him? I mean, yeah. I know that, but, like, was there a reasoning behind it? Was that, was that Zeus was literally like, I want to trap her that, and, like, yeah. make her feel bad for being pretty? It, it's just that he didn't want anybody to fight over her. And he yeah. knew that this guy did not care whatsoever. And so he wouldn't. Yeah. There is a version where Hephaestus, I believe, maybe wants her, too? Hephaestus is so interesting. I mean, all the gods are interesting in canon because they have so many different interpretations, obviously, different versions, Mm -hmm. different writers, different stories. But Hephaestus, particularly in the Riordan verse, is very interesting, like Carter said. Like, he's complex. He is, like, married to Aphrodite, but, like, does not appear into her, but also appears to be extremely petty and I feel like depending on how much power he holds, and, like, we don't really know, but, like, depending on how you interpret him as having, like, high power or low power, like, high or low status, he's either this extremely sick, like, hot, sweaty, forged man who's very talented and also clever and cunning, or he is this, like, slight incel, like, who 
is obsessed with like tinkering his way into getting revenge on people who literally couldn't care less about him. So it's very interesting. Yeah, it is. I see both. He's got layers, yeah. okay? He's an onion. Like an onion. You beat me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but his other um, concert, who I believe is mentioned in um, either the Iliad or the Odyssey, um, is Aglaia, one of the um, one of the graces, actually. So one of, like, Aphrodite's handmaidens. Mm. Maybe she set them up. I, I want to believe that it was, you know, nicer. Um, he built a lot of things, just like a lot of just there's there's just a list here. The Hermes helmet and sandals, um, Aphrodite's girdle, um, Achilles armor, literally like so many things on here. Wait, did he make did he make Pandora's pethos? Of course he did. Wonderful. Um, I also do like uh, so we know he's got his automatons. He loves them. But um, he has a bunch of like living like women uh, automatons that um help him with his work and stuff. Um, See, that's a little insulty. Do you know what I mean? It like, is. That is. That's a little bit. I'm going to create the perfect woman who's going to love me. Yeah, and she I will not like... be a person, and she will be submissive to me. <laughs> that's something where your priors, um, I think, will heavily dictate what it. How, how you experience that section of the book because I feel like when I read them for the, when that for the first time as a child I was like picturing things that were very um you know like faceless and disembodied and maybe had kind of sort of vaguely high-pitched voices or sounds that they made um but you know I, I fear that there are other relevant contexts for that and even if it is just like a robot that is a little bit shapeless and has a voice that reads as female you know like there is a vast um literature and the social sciences about how we should think about that and what the implications of that might be for um you know uh social organization and um labor policies and such yeah yeah there's a lot to unpack with this man um i do also love his um return to olympus uh so this is when he gets revenge on hera for rejecting him makes her a golden throne where which traps her immediately um and then he just like leaves basically <laughs> just like no i'm just gonna leave her there and then i'm gonna bounce um and dionysus is the one who's like hey 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 brother can you like free hera please like we gotta we gotta get on with our lives come on it's okay <laughs> i'm sorry i just love that like imagined brother talk he does get him drunk, though, of course, <laughs> as Dionysus would. Um, and that's that's one of the possible ways that, like, he um, ends up with Aphrodite is that he demanded to be married to her in order to release Hera. Um, oh, or he asked for this or he there's a version where he asked for Athena's hands. That didn't work out. <sighs> I'm not talking about more of Hephaestus and Aphrodite. <laughs> Um, but the one thing about the Hephaestus and Athena thing is that it does not happen. Instead, Hephaestus impregnates the earth when he tries to go after Athena. He just kind of like, boop, lands on the <laughs> earth. And that's where we get, um, what's his name? Eric Thonius, I believe. Um, the guy who, uh, founded Athens. <laughs> Always a fun time. Yeah. And of course his, um... He is Roman equivalent is Vulcan. Because volcanoes. Like volcanology? Hey, yes. 
Yes, this is the chapter where Hephaestus is like weirdly flirting with Annabeth, right? Correct. Wait, yeah, wait, let me just I... circle back to my Hephaestus incel comments. By complimenting her mom and being like, it would be nice no if she would marry me. somebody. <laughs> little pitchy dog, little pitchy. All right, it's time to be anti-Rick's version of Hephaestus. Let's talk about this chapter, I guess. All right, sorry about that, guys. Sorry. It's cool, it's cool. All right, let's 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 start talking about this chapter, my dudes. <laughs> I was on the wrong one. This is a packed chapter. I'm honored that you knew that we would want to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's there's that one sentence. I, think I know, it's, only it's kind like, of the titular role. Three words long, and yet it's it's kind of important. <laughs> Be careful, CB Brain. <laughs> I should probably um, put that on a shirt at our merch shop. You should. You really should. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, before Percy sets himself on fire, yes, a bunch of other stuff happens. Yeah, we have to actually meet Hephaestus. I do think that there is an interesting conversation that I don't know that we have time to like fully get into right now, mm-hmm. but like. That about like male privilege and the denial of that privilege and how that denial can kind of push men into like uh being more misogynistic and like these countercultures like incel culture that like uh like a lot of disabled men and like autistic men will get involved in because they're not being treated the way that they were kind of promised by their society and uh i don't know about you guys but i do get like autism spectrum vibes from specifically this reading of Hephaestus. Um, hmm. Just like this denial of other people and this preference for machines and not that that isn't like a stereotype, but also <laughs> not a stereotype that doesn't have like some merit uh, given the autistic people I know. <laughs> love love robots. <laughs> but I I do think that there is a lot of interesting stuff going on there that I don't know that Rick necessarily thought of, but I do think that the character in as a whole has this like denial of privilege that, you know, stems from being tossed off of Olympus yeah. that I feel like informs a lot of his bitterness. That's all I wanted to say about that. Uh he's here. <laughs> he's working in a garage. <laughs> yeah. Um interestingly, I think he's working on my old car. Um <laughs> <laughs> really i think i think 98 is the year of my first car um toyota corolla if if it had said it was green i'd be like rick rick that's my car <laughs> you had a green toyota corolla was it like dark green or was it like a light green it was a dark green that's beautiful Aww. yeah it was a shit car <laughs> it was a really shit car <laughs> <laughs> as someone who's driven a toyota corolla for many many moons that once belonged to my grandmother um love me a toyota corolla absolutely Aww. it's like the state car of hawaii <laughs> <laughs> amazing yes. um yeah so we love that uh he's working on a car just randomly in here um he's got a he's got a bunch of stuff going on and just like I guess doesn't look as made up as he did on Olympus. I mean, yeah, Percy, he's gonna be like grimy and covered in grease. He's literally working on things right now. What did you expect? Yeah, but the implication kind of seems to be that he makes up like his whole appearance that like he kind of downplays his disability and whatnot when he's, Hmm. you know, in meetings and stuff, you know, like putting on makeup. (laughs) 
I think that Rick has come a very long way in disability representation from Battle of the Labyrinth to, say, the Magnus Chase trilogy. Mm -hmm. Um, Going from something like this to not using magic to um, sort of cover up or quote-unquote fix somebody's different abilities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can't wait to get to Magnus in like 10 years. (laughs) You have to read it. Oh, wait, no. Oh, I've, I've read it. Yeah, you, you're a <laughs> I was just talking to somebody else who, like, lives in Boston and has never read Magnus Chase. And I was like, what the heck? Um, how dare they? How freaking dare? I, I do think that Hephaestus is an interesting example in, the, in that, um, I don't know, like, all of the Olympians are supposed to be portraits of super beings that are flawed to reflect the ways in which society is flawed. And Hephaestus is... Is good at that, and I think makes clearer to the reading audience the um the the flaws that exist in in his like emotional processing. He has some mm-hmm. of the rawest lines that maybe anybody has in these books around here. He is so jaded and has clearly never emotionally processed anything, maybe ever. Yes. <laughs> in He's his therapy. life, in his immortal <laughs> like. Uh, I don't know. I, I find the writing to be very effective and <laughs> and it gives, I think, more of a way in to what I, like the, the figurative placement of Hephaestus is clearer to me than I think it is for maybe a good number of the other gods that are portrayed in the books where it, it takes a lot of thinking to, to understand the both like the combination of strengths and weaknesses that they are mm-hmm. representing as co-varying mm-hmm. together as a fundamental part of the fabric of the way that power and institutions work in like America. But Hephaestus is so clear. You can see all of those things wrapped up together beautifully and unmistakably. Um, his, you know, his damage, his strength, his... He says, like, I didn't fit Hera's idea of a perfect family. A certain mm. kind of family. She took one look at me and, well, I don't fit the image, do I? Oh, Yeah. Like, it's both obviously true, but also such arrested development. <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate that we did get this in this book after having seen Hera earlier. Mm-hmm. And her representation of, like, very kindly and stuff. And then I think we really needed to get a bit more of her ugly side, this book. I mean, she's she's kind in a way, like, like she'll only help if she can, if she wants to. She has the, the you know, uh... I guess I'll help you. I guess fine. I like you guys. Um, you fit into my perfect family. I I kind of already got the vibes. Um, she's she's, she's got that. Um, yeah. So he he wonders if they're automatons for a second, and he's like, "No wait, shoddy workmanship." Um, love that. <laughs> course uh tyson is the only one excited to be here and uh tyson is also the only person who hephaestus is excited to see um we literally love this kindred spirits beautiful amazing but also tyson i'm trying tyson has that line where he says like yeah sorry i don't want to jump ahead are we going like page by page (laughs) yeah i'm going page (laughs) by page but um yeah well tyson um tells him about braries braries um and how sad he is about that and Hephaestus is just like yeah I'm sorry I'm not surprised this is kind of how it goes um oh yeah that was really interesting the way that he says that people monsters and gods all change and you can't trust them very fascinating do you guys change hmm hmm Darian from the Muses of Mythology 
would say that they do not change um, unless humanity's perception and culture's perception of them changes, because they are only representations of what we believe them to be, the manifestations of our own beliefs. Uh, I buy that. That makes total sense to me. Yeah, that's exactly what I would think. They don't seem to be even capable of developing their characters on their own. It's it's like they're stuck repeating the same old patterns until... There's some kind of paradigm shift. Exactly, yeah. They're NPCs. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Um. So the fact that Hera also, like, literally lies and is like, yeah, no, it's actually Zeus um, that threw Hephaestus off. It wasn't me. Totally not. I would never, never hurt my family. Damn girl. Cold. Absolutely cold. Um. So I love Percy's thought process where he's just like, yeah, I don't like this guy. Um, he almost killed Annabeth and me with those spiders, and then he kind of killed Bianca. Percy really said, "I'm projecting my personal blame onto you for that one." I think he should. It wasn't my fault. It was his fault. <laughs> Absolutely, I would also blame Hephaestus. I mean, he was involved in some kind of ways. Like, I'm not, I'm not mad at Percy for being a little mad. <laughs> Uh, I like Hephaestus's reaction to that. The, oh, you don't like me? No worries, I'm used to that. I, a lot of the gods have very different reactions to that specific thing, and I find that really interesting. You know, like Ares is like, you don't like me? Good. Let's fight in the pit tonight. <laughs> um, meanwhile, Hephaestus is like, over it, you know? Like, yeah, you don't yes. like me. What's new about that? <laughs> but it's not that he's over it. That's the thing. It's like, <laughs> like to, no emotional processing. He's like, he needs to make you feel more uncomfortable about it. And like, yeah, it's <laughs> constantly externalizing his own trauma and like shoving it onto other people. He is being plagued by both. It's funny, like, to, like it's funny to read. <laughs> but I he's he's so unwell. <laughs> the river sticks and the nemeses are like our patron saints of petty hatred and I will never forgive you energy. <laughs> holding grudges. Oh, and holding grudges we just learned is like a uh, uh, Hades child thing. Why isn't it a Vestus child thing? I think that makes more they're sense. They're too busy building shit. They're, they can't think about how they're mad about stuff because they're too busy building shit. I remember when I came across that line about Hades children like being unable to let go of grudges and I was like, yes! I so identify like Kevin 13. Ah! <laughs> yeah, Kevin yeah. 13, yeah. Yeah, you got it something to say yet. to me wearing my Kevin 13 shirt? I was like, I'm full of hatred when I was 13. <laughs> and now. And now. Real. But still full of <laughs> hatred. I feel like... I feel like I have more sympathy for Hephaestus as a character because I I see the path. I see how he gets like this, you know? I think he just needs to um, go to therapy um, and talk to his... Well, they all do. He needs to talk to his therapist, Dionysus. So, you know, everyone's therapist, the god of therapy... Dionysus. Isn't Dionysus the one who like brought him back to Olympus as well? Like they've like, got a literally that's thing that's, going on. Yeah, Bro, that's but... what I'm thinking. They're bros, literally. <laughs> they should be. I'm still always gonna push. I want that for them. Dionysus being the god of mental health. That that's <laughs> just my new favorite thing. You and Rick in one book, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the fact that they want to go find Daedalus, Hephaestus is like, no, you don't want that man. He sucks. Uh, do something else. Literally anything else. And there's this interesting line where Percy is like, why? Why can't I go get Daedalus? Like, there's this guy, Luke, he's really bad. Um, and Hephaestus says, some of us get thrown off mountainsides. Some of us 
the way we learn the to way not we learn to trust just people is even more painful God. As gold or a flaming sword or a magical steed these i can grant you easily but a way to daedalus that's an expensive favor that's like, writing yes that's suspense <laughs> that's like you think i'm petty there is way someone way more petty out there and you don't even want to dive <laughs> into what made him that petty please girl oof. like just don't bother here um <laughs> okay is this is this where y'all were like he's flirting with annabeth like i, I want to just the whole yes. time <laughs> i disagree i do not get that vibe at all i would love to have not gotten that vibe like i really support <laughs> any reading of this in which that is not your takeaway i wish it was not mine i just got like he's like huh a smarty pants who's your mother hmm athena and he's like oh okay <laughs> i know that goddess i have other issues with her because right. i have he's grudges. definitely <laughs> weird about her mom here <laughs> like he's weird about her mom but i didn't think he was weird about her he he conflates her with her mother as as like a na- matter of course but that's what they all do i don't i don't find it to be like a hitting on her type of thing it seems to just be like an offhand comment to me yeah a tasteless and uh annoying offhand comment but <laughs> you can you can interpret things however you would like I would like to not interpret that the way y'all did. <laughs> yeah, I'm uncomfortable with this reading. I don't like it. I know we I'm all uncomfortable are. with this reading. And I am are. most uncomfortable. <laughs> um, onwards. Uh, so yeah, Mount St. Helens. He used to like it. I guess. I guess that means he maybe went there before they went to the U.S. That's interesting. He had this as like a forge before they were American gods. But um, uh, <laughs> but yeah, then the monster Typhon moved there. I don't know if he's important. Maybe like it, it could be an important monster later. I don't know. Um, but yeah, now he's trapped under that mountain and it's kind of dangerous. So he doesn't he doesn't use that forge. But also, it's like there there are some sus people maybe using his own forge. Okay, he he just right. he just can tell that someone else is using it. Someone else is invading his space. <laughs> um, that's kind of terrifying, actually. I wonder if they like cleaned up his stuff, and he's like cleaned up my shit. I can't find anything. <laughs> yeah, so he's lost freaking automatons on this, but he's willing to let the half bloods uh go. Uh, of course, they a god has never cared about their well being. You know, it's a quest, right? It's a quest. They 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 should go do it. And this is when we split the party. Yeah, I always forget this is like a really big deal because they're splitting up, which is never a good idea. And also, this quest was already weird because there was four of them, four people. Mm-hmm. They're only supposed to be three, right, and so bad. of course, it would come to this moment where then they have to like split up, and then it's also all messed up, and they're like. They have the opportunity to make it like three and one. Grover wants to go down and find Pan, but they. But Tyson is like, no, I'm going to go with him. And this is the line I wanted to talk about because we were talking about Tyson um, yeah. getting along with Hephaestus and Hephaestus really liking Tyson. But Tyson really purposely distances himself from Hephaestus here. And part, part Percy is like, can't believe that Tyson would volunteer to go with Grover because Percy doesn't really see Tyson as a full human being still. Let's be real. Um, he's like surprised by Tyson's independence. 
I would say. Well, I wouldn't, I don't think it's the independence. I think he's surprised because at the beginning of the book, they didn't get along. Yeah. Percy hasn't like, noticed their slow character development throughout this. Uh, they were afraid no, of each other. He's literally not paying attention to anybody but Annabeth, this book. He is so <laughs> distracted. Well, up until the next chapter. Um, <laughs> anyway, Tyson says, Goat Boy needs help. We will find the god person. I am not like Hephaestus. I trust friends. I love that so much. I love him. He is my delightful boy. Tyson That's very is the effective. best. We have to have the, the juxtapositions. Like, the, the, this is... The, the reason why it's useful and generative to have faces written the way he is is because we have Tyson written this way, and then later we will have Daedalus written perhaps a third way that is also going to say things <laughs> about the nature of humanity and change and agency and reconciliation. And like isolation and trauma, yeah. yeah. And isolation and trauma and like what it means to, you know, like have difficulties connecting to people and to um, reconcile past harms with future opportunities. Like all of these things are tied up in the way that these three characters are really, you know, in both simple and complicated ways laying out these very, like Tyson's words here are so clean and crisp and clear and the character is not trying to <laughs> Mm-hmm. give us all that and and yeah. and it works it really yeah i haven't beautiful. thought about this book in that way before like titan's curse was all about percy not being a bad hero and like learning how to like mm-hmm. not be hercules and like fighting his like 13 mm. year old boy urges to like become an asshole and then this book is about meeting all these people who have this like severe trauma and like have been treated in such a negative way that it could cause them to be distrustful um, or like cause them to turn out like Luke and all of these things and to see Tyson for one repeatedly be like seeing the good in people um, and to believe that there is hope with some other gods that we're going to be later mm-hmm. yes Very absolutely good. it's about dealing with trauma <laughs> it's about stepping into your mental remembering that so- there's something mm-hmm. worth fighting for discovering that you are the person responsible for doing the fighting even though maybe that's not actually appropriate and maybe it's because um everyone older than you has failed in some sort of fundamental way but like but either way th- there you are that's where you find yourself yeah and you're unfortunately responsible for how you treat people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. unfortunately <laughs> So this book is about dodging a different kind of toxic masculinity <laughs> exactly. from the last yeah, book. Exactly. It's yes. the same thing, it's but a, a different flavor. It's a more matured, more evolved uh, Toxic masculinity? Well, toxic anything. Um, yeah. Most yes. of them are men, It's but... like toxic responses to trauma, I think, is this book, yes. as opposed to the last book, is toxic mm-hmm. responses to, like, expectations or something. Not to say that Hercules doesn't have any trauma, but he might as well not, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> toxic ENFJ <laughs> so I love I, I love this thematic and emotional discussion, but I'd like to detour to talk and talk about tactics for a second. <laughs> uh, my 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 thought here is that Tyson should have gone with Percy and Annabeth should have gone with Grover. Okay, okay. They're going to a forge. Tyson is fireproof. You're not wrong. You're totally not wrong. Wait, but it's Annabeth's quest. She is the one who has to go, like... Yeah. She She's not going to go leave and hunt for Pan. I guess maybe it could be not. Grover and You're Percy right. and Tyson and Annabeth. But again, the empathy link means that but Percy... But we can't have Grover and Percy, because yeah. they have the empathy link. Yeah, they need to be split up, so... Hmm. I'm just, I'm just saying, that's how I would have done it <laughs> if I was there and doing a tactics meeting with these characters. <laughs> um. The problem is that Annabeth would not agree. <laughs> Yeah, you're probably right. 
<laughs> yeah, so we split the party, um, and we'll see these two sometime in the future. Splitting the party in the labyrinth is like the worst possible way situation to do that in. They split up and they're in the dungeon. It's, it's real bad. The dungeon that moves around you. <laughs> Literally, they could never find them again. They could be lost Yeah, they're gone. Forever. Goodbye. I'll miss you. Goodbye. Bye, Tyson. Gro- Bye, Grover. Tyson That's and it. Grover, you were great characters. We'll see you never. Uh, <laughs> okay, and then we have this really fun conversation. Ray and I have technically been talking about Annabeth's um, birth since forever. We're just like, that's not really a right. spoiler. It, it's, I was it's honestly fine. surprised when this showed up. I was it's like, hilarious. has this not come up until now? Because this book is not only the book about toxic responses to trauma, it is, of course... Snacks! It's the horny teenage <laughs> sex education book. Penultimate. Penultimate. Yeah. We are finally hitting puberty. It is happening. Sound the alarms. Rick is so funny for this. It's <laughs> very well written. It's tight. You have the dispensation of important lore combined with the very subtle and yet obvious, you always knew this is how it was going to go down, dynamic between these two people who are into each other having to talk about sex and having to <laughs> have a conversation in which clearly one of them is more comfortable than the other one and like they are both <laughs> trying to talk around something while also fighting for the center, like it's chess or kendo or something, you know, like Adam was making the bold move of just cutting directly to the chase and being like, I am more comfortable than you, I'm controlling this conversation and winning, but also like, is she winning? and like where does this leave us and like what does this mean about everyone's emotional maturity and readiness to delicious <laughs> 14 question mark in this book yes 14 just about, about year high school, for both of them which is when we are forced to have those really awkward classes um that are important about like sex education and like puberty and like these changes your body are going through like we're about to see on the next couple pages so rick is just so funny being a teacher you know, knowing, like, okay, this is the age that, like, A, my readers are going to find this to be really relatable and hilarious and awkward, and also, realistically, is the age at which Percy and Annabeth would be like, yeah, Percy, like, my mom, like, is, like, aromantic and asexual, and I was birthed from her head. Does that weird you out? Thought you should know. <laughs> um, and then having all these conversations. It's just so sweet, and, like, Carter and I were just talking on our show about, um, or were we talking, no, we were talking on our Patreon episode, Six of Crows, plug for our Patreon, about, um, <laughs> like like the over sexualization of YA and stuff like that mm, and like the yeah. this big conversation that's going on right now between middle grade and YA and how there's like such a big leap between what middle grade content is and what YA content is when it comes to like relationships you know um and this is just such a great and like funny and authentic and like gentle and sweet way to bring up the kinds of things that would be happening in a 14 year old's life in a book that is, like, appropriate for children and won't ostracize any children or, like, make any children feel uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it is very interesting that, um, yeah, so we get the whole, oh, yeah, Athena was just born from Zeus's head. Again, like a lot of people, forgetting that, yeah, Athena did actually have a mom. Like, there's a there's a little backstory of, like, how that happened. Uh, Zeus, like, uh, swallowing her? I think he Correct. turned her into, like, a fly or something and then swallowed her. They're playing a game where um, he is asking her to turn into different things. And when she turns into a fly, he eats her. And the reason why, this is mm-hmm. this is the favorite, like, this is the, like, Shiv Roy um, lens of Athena, which is that um, 
like Athena originally, like Zeus, heard from some sort of oracle that um, that his child by Metis, specifically, I think that the oracle is saying that his son with Metis would do to him what he did to Kronos, right? That this would be the child that would dethrone him. Or specifically, I think I think the oracle kept saying like, if like if Metis gives birth to a son, he will dethrone you. And so, how does he circumvent this? He eats Metis so that she cannot give birth, and mm-hmm. also it's a girl. And so the girl doesn't dethrone him and becomes instead someone who is like clearly capable and talented, but instead has a, you know, an auxiliary and servile relationship with Zeus instead, using all of that same power, but I guess perhaps having not the ambition, the social support to do the same kind of thing, um, perhaps having a different idea about the value of family and collaboration and deciding mm. to not, whatever the reasons, there is definitely <laughs> the story of Athena jumping out of Zeus's head is a story about like gender politics and family dynamics and yep. power, as well as a story about, you know, whatever sapiosexualism and all that, whatever. <laughs> See, I just want, um, I just like this um, idea in my head where Zeus just gets because Metis is still inside of him inside of his head I guess he yeah um what if he just like got so anxious and was like uh what if that what if that prophecy ever actually came to fruition like what if it happened and then Metis just like pops out another one like it just becomes a thought it's just it's a thought child again yeah, there we go. <laughs> Metis, I want the thought child down. impregnates herself and then escapes to <laughs> finally end Zeus's reign. But also, Please. we don't love that. But also, like, it should like if someone's going to end Zeus, it should be Athena. It, it like <laughs> absolutely. And I believe there is perhaps an original musical coming at some point to somewhere. <laughs> I wasn't going to mention About it. This? <laughs> My roommate slash me a little bit, mostly my roommate, may have been for years now working on a musical called The Laugh of the Medusa, which is based on an essay of the same name um, by Helen Sisu um, that happens to have a lot to do with Athena and Zeus and relationships between daughters slash children and fathers slash makers and life givers um, and what it means to try to escape from them when they created you in their own image. Very interesting. It isn't finished yet. I love it. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, I guess Athena is canonically um, Arrow Ace. We love, we stand. Um, does she just like see these men and be like, "Hmm, you're smart. I vibe. Here, have a child." <coughs> is is that is that is that it? Does she? I want I want to I want to know what kind of relationship she has with them. Is do they are they friends? I'd imagine a series of really like intellectual and specific. Um, probably lengthy conversations um, in which they don't agree with her, but they really like battle, you know, and they duke it out and they prove they're like, um, oh, yeah. And uh, Athena believes in the flirt roast ratio. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, like they need to be like lightly bullying each other. It's an Annabeth. It's basically Annabeth. <laughs> <laughs> this also gives us the first right. allusion to like Rick has a conversation in book five the last olympian that is a little bit extending the lore of this where he has a line about how demi- like gods don't have dna and so you should not think about traditional biology when you're thinking about all demigods but also i think that this is a delightful way of rick being like 
I, I, I love uh, ways of trying to literalize and imagine different relationships that people could have to the childbearing process and particularly generative ways of going beyond the current biologically limiting ideas about what constitutes the creation of new life, because these things are probably temporary and not going to be the way that we will understand these social relationships in like 20 years and probably not even the way we should really be socially conceiving of them now. And so this is like a delightful way to look at this and not just be like, oh, haha, Athena can have children this way, but also like all the implications about who Athena can have children with and what it means to like to create new life with somebody. Mm-hmm. How how interesting and and open and I keep saying generative. It is a very generative piece of fiction to put out into the world when thinking about what it means to to create new life. And Athena herself art. is rather generative, eh? It does imply that the father is involved somehow, that they are sprung from the divine thoughts of the mother and the mortal ingenuity of the, our father. So. I don't know how that works, but seems good to me. I've, like, never once questioned this. Do you know what I mean? I think it makes yeah. perfect yeah, no. sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, I don't need a f- more thorough explanation than this. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, like, you know when you're having a conversation with someone, and wow, that conversation is going so well, I just sprung a thought, baby. Totally <laughs> get it, Athena. Yeah. It's imagining a future with someone, but your imagination is, um, you know, good, powerful. Generative. <laughs> Generative. <laughs> yeah, and then you just um, abandon your baby um, on that man's doorstep, and you're just no, like, see you ya! him, your incredibly <laughs> ingenious spawn that will make their lives better forever. The goddess's blessing. Um, like, <laughs> you'd have to be so ungrateful to not be delighted to find your beautiful brainchild. Exactly. If you, if you were not expecting it, you're like, we didn't even have sex. What's <laughs> happening? Why are you gifting me a child? I'm Don't worry still about it, man. in college. <laughs> What's happening? Um, yeah, so there's lava. <laughs> um... <laughs> And now we gotta sneak up on some monsters. Does Mount St. So- Helens have lava in it? Is it, like, active in there? I was under the impression dormant. that it was kind of not. <laughs> I, it's I, c- dormant. I couldn't tell you. There's not lava actively flowing, and generally, also, Mount he- St. Helens is not really the type of volcano that would have lava. I believe it is, like, a cinder mm. cone, um, such that its um, eruptions would be primarily ash and dust and mm-hmm, other particulate mm-hmm. matter that would harden into solids before they were to actually come into contact with anybody. I should probably double check that to make sure that that's true. That is my rough memory up. of how this works. Um, but, but you know, I think Mount St. Helens is probably going to erupt at some point in the next hundred years, is my rough memory, or maybe it could be longer, but not <laughs> not dead forever. TBD. It has the highest probability out of all U.S. volcanoes other than Hawaii and Alaska to erupt in the future. Ooh. There we go. Was That's there why a it's a good choice. Scare <laughs> or something with Mount St. Helens. Um, wasn't wasn't there something? And then like everybody was like, "Oh my God, it's Percy! He did it again!" Or am I forgetting? <laughs> am I am I remembering this correctly? That sounds That's right. That something happens. I haven't heard anything, but I don't listen to the news, so. Um, it does appear that things are legitimately different in Percy Jackson world, though, because uh, they Fair. don't just have global warming. They also have gods who are fighting and having a weird time, and that makes the weather odd. And so, like, Hephaestus Fair. says something about, like, Mount St. Hel- Helens, like, 
rumbling and bubbling and stuff in recent years because of this whole celestial unrest. So it's actually the gods. They, they're the reason that it's going to erupt eventually. <laughs> their fault. Uh, so Annabeth just immediately is like, I got this. And like, sneaks off. Bro. And Percy's like, excuse me? What? What the fuck? <laughs> just puts on her hat and like, leaves him. And then he's just like, oh, okay. I guess I'm gonna hide in this cart. I hope they don't <laughs> dip me into the lava. <laughs> and then the Tolkien's also have sex ed. Yes, yes. They're also having sex ed. <laughs> right. I was thinking while I was reading this that this is like it's so goddamn goofy, but now that you've like brought it up that it's like another sex ed talk in the same chapter, that's hilarious to me. I'm that's delightful. Oh my god, can I please read this interaction with the teachers and the telekinetics? Please. Now, younglings, the instructor said, what is the proper name of our kind? Sea demons. One of them barked. No. Anyone else? Tell Gates! Another monster growled. Very good, the instructor said. And why are we here? Revenge! And several <laughs> shouted. No! Yes, yes, but why? Zeus is evil, one monster said. He cast us into Tartarus just because we used magic! And then there's more, um, exposition. God, it is so fucking goofy because it's like, yeah, it, of <laughs> course Percy gets this exposition dump! from a fucking sex ed class <laughs> it's so... beautiful and then they're just they're called younglings so of course my brain immediately just went to they're they're like they're the children in star wars that that anakin kills is that is that what this room is full of actually <laughs> well i mean percy also kills a bunch of younglings with a sword is, so. is that is that what's happening here is anna is is Percy Anakin Skywalker right now? And these are like the Jedi younglings? It sounds valid to me. <laughs> I don't know enough about Star Wars to participate in this discourse. <laughs> I also barely know enough, but I've seen the movies, so. <laughs> That's I all have that somehow matters. seen all of the movies, and yet I recall none of them. <laughs> oh, they just wash over you. It's valid. Like, like a wave, like the it's tide. Very valid. <laughs> oh my goodness um yeah so we got exposition dump oh they made Poseidon's trident and you know the greatest titan weapon dun 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 we're not gonna dun, tell dun, you dun. this though um it's you know i'm sure that will never come up later absolutely not um again the description of these guys looks cute but they're actually gonna be terrifying for some reason <laughs> um <laughs> So they're about to use the scrap metal that Percy is hiding in. So he has to jump out and, you know, uh, vaporize a bunch of dogs. Um, <laughs> a bunch of Percy killed dogs! Adolescent dogs. It's, it's just, it's so... <laughs> but uh, he does get to say this super cool line, which is, he does. New lesson class, most monsters will vaporize when sliced with a celestial bronze sword. This change is perfectly normal and will happen to you right now if you don't back off. Percy! <laughs> My god. That's funny as fuck. He's so funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> he is so funny. I love him. <laughs> um, My boy. He he thinks they're not gonna be, like, super fast because, you know, they they got flippers, but, like, they're they're actually, like, not that slow, surprisingly. Um, But he, he's able to uh get away and find Annabelle. He's, he's just, like, wandering around, just, like, running with a chicken with his head cut off, just yelling Annabeth's name. 
And she's like, Annabeth, stop Annabeth. it. Yeah, maybe don't do that. Maybe maybe hide just a little bit. Um, and she literally goes, Percy, what is your problem? When she shows <laughs> up. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then we get um, him being like, "You need to get out of here. You can escape. You can sneak away. Um, I'll distract them because he's a self-sacrificing little asshole, and I love him." Percy tells Annabeth <laughs> that he has a plan, and then he's like, "God damn, I really wish I had a plan. <laughs> I love my my horrible little guy. Be careful, seaweed brain." So yes. So yes, this very yeah. suddenly. Yeah. No, yeah. no elaboration. <laughs> it just happens. She kissed right. me. What? What? <laughs> she didn't just kiss That's me. That's it. She glared at me like she was going to punch me and they, then she did something even more surprising. She kissed me. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> she put her hat on and vanished. <sighs> ah! I can't breathe. She is so Spider-Man right now and he is so <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> I guess this is Gwen. Is this a Gwen? No. It's all of them, right? The upside down one. <laughs> the upside I mean, down one? I feel like they've all done it at some point. Yeah. But like, I, they're Spider-Men. Of course they're going to be upside down. Right. Exactly. The the film one that I remember is an MJ one, but... Yeah. See, now I'm just the like... The Kirsten Dunst, Tobey Maguire one, yeah, is, yeah. is the original yeah, yeah. filmic depiction. <laughs> Do we and need, like, um, Annabeth in, like, Spider-Gwen outfit um, going down and kissing Percy? I feel like that's the vibe that we need right now. That's the fan art. Um. Percy as Miles Morales, 100%. No, no, that's the thing. It's the other way, because Miles actually turns invisible. It's like Miles is Annabeth and then somebody... <laughs> but probably not, like, film animated Miles at this point, because then, like, Percy isn't really a good fit for Gwen, but we'll, we'll, we'll iterate on that. I was going to say, Percy is not a Gwen. Um. <laughs> it's just so baller of Annabeth. To kiss him and then immediately disappear. It's also so her abandonment issues to kiss him and immediately disappear. She's like, I will not be dealing with this right now. This is a problem for later. Absolutely. Absolutely. She, I want to know what her thoughts were as she's like running um away down the caverns, like down the tunnels. Is she just like, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I did that. Ah! She's just screaming that into the labyrinth as she's like running away. Well, I don't know, because I feel like Percy does not know what the fuck is going on, but Annabeth does. Like, throughout this whole book, you know, they were going to go on a little date that Percy says is not a date, but I think that Annabeth has been, like, building to this. She wants you to think she has it together, though, but she really doesn't. (laughs) She has a plan, but I don't think she's prepared for the consequences of any step of the plan along the way. Like, she's not emotionally um, dealing with her successes because she is not... um, in a place in her life where she's really emotionally processing much of anything, I think. Um, and that's she's yeah. also the main character of her own story right here. Like, that's what I mean by, like, she is Spider-Manning. Like, she was like, I'm gonna kiss him and then run away. Like, Right. So, like, Annabeth is running away like, God, that was so smooth. I can't believe I did that. Nice. <laughs> yeah, she was like, away. Like, that was amazing. He's so into me. Like, <laughs> this worked really well. God, I'm, I'm sorry, Annabeth. I'm sorry to what happens later. <laughs> We're not there yet. This is BC. Please don't I, ruin my day. She's in for it. Um. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh my God. Percy versus the the Tolkien's. Um. Uh. They're mad at him because like it, they built Sidon's trident. Right. So they don't vibe with my boy. Mm-hmm. They they want to see him sliced to pieces, but they because they were cast in with it, so they are angry. But okay, Percy's love of life. 
Percy is lava proof. <laughs> Who knew? Can we explain oh this? I'm confused. I forgot this existed. I think he's lava resistant. Right, right, exactly. Like, is it because volcanoes come from the sea? Yeah. He's like extra full of water, <laughs> right? Like he resists being right, right. burned. I don't know. I went along with that. It's like trying to set a damp log on fire. It's like, oh, oh dang it, that this is too waterlogged. So <laughs> that was a perfect analogy. My brain was going to Pokemon things, but I don't actually know how this works. I'm just like, <laughs> if, I assume it went a, if a fire one attacks a water one, it doesn't work as well. But if a water one attacks a fire one, it works better. But again, right. I don't are you, know are you Pokemon. Versus you don't point, actually. Versus two point yes, multiplier. you are correct. The words cool. there are super effective and not very effective. You don't know Pokemon things? I don't know Pokemon things. Oh my god, that's hilarious. Your pop culture knowledge always, like, baffles me. I'm very dumb, okay? No, no. Like, I just, I'm always very surprised by, like, how much pop culture you consumed in your childhood, and yet it is not at all analogous to the things that I think were, like, popular. Wait, Ray, how old are you? Um, I'm 27 now, I think. Yes, that's Wait, right. so you and Charlie are, like, roughly the same age. Yes. So it should be the same stuff, theoretically. <laughs> theoretically. And yet, somehow. <laughs> and yet, somehow. Listen, listen. Not that I I'm always one to say, talk. <laughs> I always say that I've always been kind of a hipster when it comes to the popular things. I'm not super into it until it's, like, died down and no one cares about it anymore. Oh, no, that's a big move, though. Like, it's it's been like a year and no one talks about it anymore and then you get really into it and you're like oh where's the fandom for this like y'all are done talking about this like if i was there first it's fine (laughs) but if i'm not there first and everyone else is telling me you've got to watch this you've got to watch this i'm like i'm done i'll see you in like 10 years guys (laughs) and see i'm just slow like i'm not like bitter i don't have like the hipster thing i just take forever to get to anything Fair. That too. It's also very hard to start new things. Big mood. Okay, so uh, interesting tidbit here. Percy thinks about using his ice whistle, and but he does not trust it. And so... Right. Uh, instead, he relies on his uh, personal, uh, nigh uncontrollable inner sea powers. <laughs> the water was, is within me. Like... <laughs> what belongs to the sea will always return to the sea. <laughs> Oh my god. See, I'm just imagining him, like, turning into water, like, the big girls in H2O. Like, you know, the (laughs) they turn into water and then they become mermaids. Like, you know, that little flash. That's what's happening. I love mermaid Percy. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's basically canon, right? Um, Yeah. So he's calling to the sea, even though he's not near the sea. And... He he destroyed the volcano? Um, Unclear. He won the fight. Um, he died. He's a comet hurtling towards Earth. Like, there's so much happening in this one, like, paragraph. He's really lucky that he's heat-resistant, because, uh, water and, like, lava and superheated steam is all very bad, and you will die. I want to know if y'all think he's using his, like, dad's Earthshaker abilities here, or if it's just purely water. Hmm. I mean, we get afterwards additional explanation right i don't know if we should be i can't remember about that. It's yeah, i don't know exactly it's all of the above this is like <laughs> a basically subconscious fight or flight 
you know, mm-hmm. um, balls to the wall, all of the powers are being unleashed at once, and he's doing something that is at a scale that we have not seen before. This is really exciting, specifically because it is. we're rationing up the stakes. This is the kind of demonstration of power that you probably should be having in the penultimate book, roughly mm-hmm. half to two thirds of the way through. And also, why is this happening? Because it's not like a bunch of like water dog people is like the most difficult threat that he's gotten, right? Like what we're seeing here is um, an emotionally mediated response to um, a traumatic or, you know, like a difficult situation. He's not unleashing more power than ever before because he needs to literally explode the volcano and become like a superheated (laughs) missile in order to get out. He's doing it because you know what? I'm sorry. Emotional. <laughs> yeah, emotional. God, I cannot. Good one. <laughs> you know what? I'm I'm imagining Percy turns into like like at the end of this where he's like, I was a comet or whatever. I'm I'm imagining in Lilo and Stitch. Um Yes. <laughs> when, Absolutely. When, when Stitch is like going on fire like towards the sky. <laughs> Literally, that's the moment. That's what I'm imagining Percy's doing. But in reverse. He's going towards the ground. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, well, that's that's the chapter, my dudes. We sure did it. We did it. <laughs> it's jam-packed. There was yeah, too much. It really is. Like, for emotional things happening, everything happens. The plot has moved. The paradigms have shifted. Absolutely. They've literally shifted. This is the first kiss. Yeah. <laughs> um, is Persebeth the greatest love story ever told? <laughs> Shout out to that. Shout out to that. That's a delightful throwback to um to <laughs> literature, to um, you know, famous works of the cultural criticism canon. And um, Wow, that's an amazing question. Wait, who asks that again? <laughs> I don't what know. incredible Maybe. contribution to the canon? Uh, what is that called again? <laughs> it's like a podcast, right? I think so. Um, yeah, it's, it's got a couple of hosts. Um, they might be super big nerds. Hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's called Secret. It Carter and I host a podcast called Secret. <laughs> no way, it. really? <laughs> that was our plug. <laughs> I was gonna say, where would you like the people to find you now that we are done discussing? Seaweed Brain Podcast on Instagram, Seaweed Brain Pod on Twitter, as long as that lasts, and Erica.seaweedbrain on TikTok. You can listen to us on all platforms. Hey, love that. Love that so much. Um, and last but not least, if if y'all have been consuming any media lately that y'all would like to plug on the pod, what would you like? Oh, oh, you forgot. It's like really open. I forgot that you guys asked this question. That's the best question. Yeah. Yeah, just just any any fun media that you've been consuming lately. Sometimes or, it takes us like, like anything. 15 minutes to do this segment. <laughs> I can go. I have a book and a show yeah. recommendation. Mm-hmm. Um, the book recommendation is the Poppy War Trilogy by R.F. Quang. Shout out to you, Rebecca. You are my hero. Um, <laughs> you take names. Uh, you're incredible. And this trilogy has been out for a few years now. Um, they are lengthy. They are, uh, dense. Um, they are violent. So definitely, um, only hmm. if you are ready for something, uh, a fantasy that is historic, very heavily historically influenced and also um, does not shy away from the violence that was present during particularly the uh, Sino-Japanese War. Mm. Um, 
that is <laughs> that the books are based on and surrounding. Um, but they're incredible. It's sort of like Avatar The Last Airbender, but much more violent. And if you're an adult who likes to read denser, higher fantasy works, um, it's about a bunch of shamans um, and a series of wars. And it is about the atrocities of wars. It's amazing. Um, it features a very, very, very angry, angry female um, <laughs> you protagonist. Yes. Um, it's next on my um, official reading list <laughs> very good um, per erica's assignment and, yay and my show wreck is on hbo max and for anyone who has hbo max it's called the climb that's right it's jason momoa and chris sharma's <laughs> climbing competition show it's incredible it's beautiful there are eight episodes diverse contestants from all throughout the climbing world they're all amateurs car stop laughing at me <laughs> Hey, Erica, who got my you into favorite, climbing? My favorite thing is when Erica starts talking about a Jason Momoa property that I have never heard of before. No one has ever <laughs> mentioned it before, maybe on the earth. But she knows it well, and she can explain Instagram. the whole thing to me. And I'll be like, that sounds amazing for someone who is not me because they're not going to watch it. But shout out to the people who do, because... Somebody should be watching that. And it's content that should exist in the world. It's just beautiful to like have on. It's like, it's just like one of those competition shows similar to Physical 100 where everyone's just so nice and like respectful Mm -hmm. of each other. And like technically it is a competition. So there are high stakes, but everyone is so supportive and they like all bond together during the competition and they fly all around the world to do different kinds of climbing in different settings. So it's beautiful Mm -hmm. to watch. 10 out of 10 recommend. Yeah, I was going to say, who got you into climbing so much, Erica? Dairy from Muses of Mythology. Also, <laughs> throughout my life, have tried to take me climbing, but this time I finally stuck. <laughs> Oof. Um, We're not going to talk about it. <laughs> I'm going to do two recs that really are, like, I shouldn't even say recommendations. The two pieces of media that I've been thinking about the most and mulling over and turning over and processing are both Hulu romantic comedy properties which is not i think actually very in character for me and is something that again i want to ideologically and politically separate myself from what i'm doing (laughs) i'm thinking about these things i think that they're interesting works that are contributing something that i have not yet resolved all of my feelings about as as you know coffee table centerpieces of 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 my uh you know discussions with friends um one of them is called, oh my god, Rye something. Why am I blanking on the name? Rye Lane is the name. It, it came out this year. It takes place in London. And it is about two mm-hmm. people who meet, um, well, one of them is crying in the bathroom. And it's following the two of them along basically for a day of wandering around the city and helping each other work through their very, very recent ba- breakups in different ways. It's, I found it very affecting. The filming is very interesting. They, you know, have a lot of cutaways to heightened scenes that really work for me. Um, because that, I don't know. It's, it's a fun technique. The other thing, I don't know if I should be mentioning this, but I literally cannot stop thinking about it is, <laughs> and I'm also going to forget the name. I do I know up the name? Up here. It's up here. I just had to Google it again. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> There is something about, um, like, Lopez, Anderson Lopez, where, like, th- these are the people who did um, Frozen. These are the people who did so many mm-hmm. things. Like, they, they are arguably, mm-hmm. would you say, Erica, like, the most in popular cross-over demand musical theater composers of the current moment? No, would we disagree? They're in the top Lynn? four. I mean, it'd probably be Lynn, Allen, Still, and, and then maybe Shaman and Paul. Women. Oh, Shaman oh, and Whitman! number two <laughs> i would say alan menken and then um 
Lin-Manuel Miranda, and then Pascal. Is Alan, like, active right now? Anderson what Lopez. is he doing these days? <laughs> He's a bit more retired. And then, yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I, this is to say that these are people who are, like, important in, like, musical theater, and specifically musical theater translated out of the theater and into different media, like Frozen. That is something that I think for a certain generation of people defines their relationship to musicals. And for a lot of good reasons and, like, a few maybe not so good reasons, this this is very different <laughs> for them. It is very, like, it is about two people in, like, a weird situation that continually evolves. This is one where really, like, I'm not going to say that it's good. I have very unresolved feelings about it, but I cannot stop thinking about the show. Um, and how, like, I, I just need, I, I've bugged about a bunch of people about this. I, like, need more people to talk to me about this so that I can resolve my feelings about the show and <laughs> have more of a comprehensive understanding of, like, Lopez, Anderson, Lopez, because they're clearly, like, very important cultural figures who have written some things that I've really, really enjoyed in the past. And I just cannot, like, it's so personal um, to them, this project, and has such variation within it in terms of things that work and things that I feel like don't work I just need to talk about it with people and instead have just been thinking about it and coming up with weird grand overarching hypotheses about the future of musicals and the romantic comedy and their work and how Adina Menzel is like a singular performer in the world because of my um thoughts about the show which I've shared with no one until now so there we go <laughs> lots building up there Carter lots building up I love that. <laughs> Thank you. I'm I'm excited for for more when you resolve some of those thoughts. Uh, Charlie, did you want to go? Yeah. Um. Well, I'm gonna. Um. I just recently rewatched all of Steven Universe, so I'm Good. gonna plug Steven Universe Future. Um. I feel like it doesn't get enough love, and also I probably should not have watched it. Um, while I was in a um, a weird mental state. Because um, damn, that show fucks you up. Yeah, dude. <laughs> you know, if if you want to know um, how, like, being a child protagonist um, and saving the world can fuck you up, um, watch Steven Universe Future. <laughs> we love that exploration of trauma. Literally. It's just, hey, hey, trauma? Trauma. Trauma. <laughs> Trauma. trauma. Rage and trauma. <laughs> Female Generational trauma. trauma. traumatic stress. The trauma. <laughs> I like that it was a movie about trauma, and I like that it explored it through generations. <laughs> this is Jamie Lee Curtis, for those of you who don't know. Um, anyway... <laughs> Yep, it's it's about trauma, but you know what? Um, the only spoiler I will give you is that yes, Stephen gets a therapist. Um, we stand. <laughs> we love therapy. <laughs> Woo! I love my therapist. All right, Ray, what you what you got for us? <laughs> I have a little one here. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you guys know Bill Wirtz. He is an musician slash artist mm-hmm. slash youtuber um mm-hmm. <laughs> i see you have Carter to give us the familiar. foundational work like people everyone knows who bill Wirtz is you yeah, listen yes. to know who bill Wirtz is because he made you have seen the history of the entire world i guess <laughs> um or the history of japan which also slaps and got kind of the overshadowed. history of japan <laughs> That Which was the so OG. good. I remember being there when the history of the world Absolutely. dropped and being like, "Wow, interesting." I remember this. seeing this is memes what he was doing next on Tumblr constantly after it came out. That was all we talked about for a while. Um, no, but he also does songs, lots of them. They are 
stylistically very similar to the little jingles that you'll find in those videos. But um, there's one called Mount St. Helens is about to blow up, which is why we're talking about it right now. Um, <laughs> but his his style and lyricism are like almost surreal and that they are mimicking this hyper consumerism um, while kind of and and like hyper like normative while moving it into directions that you don't expect it to and so it has like this jazzy quality while not really having that tone to it it's it's very interesting like um one of the lines in mount st helens is about to blow up uh <laughs> All right, so the line that I was really feeling is during the bridge, and it's like, I'm riding a pony into the sunset. Everything's green and gold, so I'm not in hell yet. And it's <laughs> it's all very like that. It's like the people who work in my office went on vacation because they say I haven't been paying them very much anymore. And it's all just very, very corporate, very consumerist, but then using that to like twist it into a way where like even if the lyrics aren't that deep you get these kind of like very deep feelings out of them anyways it's really impressive you should definitely check out some of his music that's all <laughs> amazing beautiful we stand <laughs> <laughs> well well my friends uh i'm sorry i'm gonna need y'all to get the fuck out of my cabin because i'm gonna go um kiss this person i i have a crush on and then like run away <laughs> um <laughs> that's so relatable it might be among the most relatable things she has ever done <laughs> <laughs> and then maybe i'll go blow something up i guess <laughs> I don't think that Matt has delusions of grandeur, just a god complex. Thanks for being our patron, Matt. You can follow this podcast socials at Of the Eldest Gods Pod on Instagram and Tumblr, and at Of the Eldest Gods on Twitter. You can send us an iris message through Of the Eldest Gods Pod at gmail.com. If you'd like to support us financially, join us at patreon.com slash of the eldest gods. By becoming a patron, you can join the Deus Ex Media Discord server, where you'll be able to chat with us and other listeners about episodes and anything Percy Jackson related. Our $5 patron tier also gets you access to Against All Odds, our monthly bonus show. There, we'll talk about a wide variety of topics, which usually have something to do with mythology. No promises. You can check out our merch store in Redbubble to find custom designs made by Charlie. Or if you cannot or do not want to support us financially, we'd really appreciate a rating, a review, or letting your friends and followers know how much you love the podcast. That really helps. You can find me, Ray, at HeyHeyRay, spelled R-A-Y-E, on Twitter. If you want to hear more from me, check out Barbie Movie Slap, a podcast where my co-host Ted and I discuss Barbie's cinematic universe. That podcast Twitter is at Barbie Slaps. And you can follow me, Charlie, at GreenPixie12 on most platforms, but on Twitter I'm at GreenPixie123, which I'm totally not salty about. I also have an art Instagram at GreenPixieDraws. I sometimes do the YouTube thing on my channel, Charlie Mac. That's M-A-C-K. Our music was written by Isabel Strauss-Riggs and recorded and edited by Ian M. Riggs. You can find Izzy at Kane underscore I, that's I as in the body part, on Instagram and Twitter. She also currently makes video essays on the YouTube channel Kane I. Feel free to message her about making music for your project or editing your podcast. 
of the Eldest Gods is proud to be a part of Deus Ex Media, which features great podcasts like Super Scary, a love letter to superheroes, sci-fi, and horror movies, hosted by Josh. Do you love to be super scared? Do you enjoy listening to hilarious hot takes on timeless classics? Well, fear not, listeners. I'm here! Welcome to the Super Scary Podcast, where we cover everything from the supernatural to the superpowered. I'm your host, Josh, a scaredy cat nerd who enjoys superhero sci-fi and horror movies way too much. Whether I'm processing my trauma from Texas Chainsaw Massacre or reminiscing on the nostalgia of Hocus Pocus, my guests and I have a hilarious time going through our favorite and sometimes not-so-favorite moments. I'm your friend till the end, listeners, because everyone's entitled to one super scary podcast. We post weekly episodes on Mondays, and you can find us at Super Scary Podcast on all the socials. See you in the afterlife, listeners. Of the Eldest Gods is based on the series by Rick Riordan. Right now, we are discussing Percy Jackson and the Olympians. Remember to follow us on your favorite podcatcher and meet us back here every Thursday. Probably the more relevant PJO backstory is that um, I uh, spoiled several things in um, in the um, Heroes of Olympus for Erica specifically. Um, I believe I spoiled immediately, like a day after the book came out or something. Um, How yeah. dare. It's okay. <laughs> now I spoil every book, movie, and TV show I watch for Carter as soon as I watch it. So we're even. And it's very useful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like if Carter's seen something, I don't necessarily have to see it. Um, I hope Carter feels the same way um, because we usually mm. describe in depth <laughs> what symbiotic. <things> yeah. <laughs> I love it. Amazing. Dave X Media.